Welcome to the Safe Enough Podcast. This podcast is an exploration of what it means to feel safe enough in order to live the kind of life or make the kind of changes that transform our lives into those with all the love, connection, belonging, and purpose that we seek and strive for. My name is McPherson Warbeck. I'm the founder of the It Begins to Move studio. I'm a safety and self-worth recovery partner, and I'm so happy that you're here. The first few episodes of this podcast were focused on the felt sense. I wanted to share the hybrid tool, philosophy, approach, theory with everyone because I think it's at the heart of real change, and it happens to be both gentle and embodied. And that feeling hasn't changed, but the reason that I love the felt sense so much and have experienced and witnessed its marvelous and elegant ability to bring immensely powerful change right at the root of issues is because of its inherent safety. The process of finding and using the felt sense has safety built right in. And although I'm still looking forward to talking about why that is and how that works in future episodes, I realized that what I really wanna talk about is safety. Absolutely every single process of healing, um, no matter what your approach, tool, method, or philosophy is, must first and foremost create or be built upon a felt sense of safety. A real, embodied, can't-be-forced-or-faked kind of safety. Results come directly from that, and it is flat-out impossible to make any kind of progress without it. So this next series of four episodes will be all about the basics of safety, safe healing, and safe change. And I mean the foundation upon which all other episodes and discussions will be built or based upon because there are so many important and interesting parts of healing to talk about. So as I begin the first episode of the new Safe Enough podcast, let's begin with a discussion about what safety actually is. This, of course, is it's a, a deep and complex topic that I'll be exploring over many episodes, but let's start with the basics. I think it's important to operationalize the term safety or to define it. So according to etymologyonline.com, the word safe comes from the Latin word salvus, or S-A-L-V-U-S, which means uninjured and in good health. And the root of salvus is the word Sol, S-O-L, or soul, I'm not sure, S-O-L, which means whole and healthy. So if we take a linguistic approach to the meaning of safety, safe comes out of the concepts of being whole and healthy. And I think that this is really interesting because we so often refer to safe in relation to threat instead of in relation to health. So we often refer to it as an absence of threat or danger rather than the presence of health and well-being. Trauma and addictions specialist Dr. Gabor Monte says that, quote, safety is not the absence of threat, it is the presence of connection, end quote. Okay, so this quote begins to highlight that there is something more to safety than simply not having an active threat. And I think this is an important point because it explains why so many of us still feel uneasy even when other folks say that there's no danger in a particular situation. And I'd also like to say that to me, it feels so invalidating when someone else thinks that they know better than me about what I should or shouldn't feel and why. 
I once heard behavioral neuropsychiatric researcher and founder of the polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges, once say during a keynote address that, quote, the mistake we make is to think that we're like everyone else. There's great variability, end quote. So what I need for feeling safe or for feeling whole and well might be different than what you need. And, you know, what I need might not just be different than what you need. It might even be different than what you think I need or what you think is best uh, in my best interest. So in the context of healing from past trauma or recovering self-worth or becoming more empowered, using a standard like absence of threat can be ironically counterproductive to true healing. So trauma psychotherapist pioneer Judith Herman, oh man, Judith Herman, Judith Herman maps out three stages of healing from trauma, and the first stage, she says, is to establish a sense of safety. And I'll say here that I love using Bessel van der Kolk's definition of trauma, which is when your reality is not allowed to be seen and known. So trauma neuropsychologist van der Kolk uses this definition in an incredibly deep, honest, and frankly powerful documentary about the Saturday Night Live comedian Daryl Hammond. Um, the documentary is called Cracked Up, and it's about Daryl Hammond's incredibly tough home life growing up, how it ultimately fueled his career in comedy, of all things, and it also chronicles his pretty tough journey through healing. The reason I love the definition of trauma that Vanderkolk uses in the documentary um, is because it's so simple. And its simplicity is really what makes it relatable and accessible to many more folks um, and also much easier to identify with than other more clinical or academic definitions of traumatic responses. So there's a whole bunch of folks who don't necessarily identify as having traumatic histories or being overtly harmed, but who do have unhealed trauma and trauma responses. There are folks who don't identify with being survivors of war or childhood sexual abuse, but who do grapple with shame and self-worth, um, who are compulsive achievers, who struggle with vulnerability, et cetera, et cetera. The list of responses in the lives of folks who don't identify with traumatic histories could go on for days. Essentially, this simple definition of trauma, van der Kolk's simple definition of trauma, which is when your reality was not allowed to be seen or known, is elegantly it's elegantly ubiquitous. It's elegantly ubiquitous. I think that there are very few folks who have never experienced invalidation. And I think the question then becomes, what happens afterwards? What happened after you experienced a denial or an invalidation of your experience and pain? Were you able to find connection and support? Were you able to reestablish your sense of safety, wholeness, your sense of well-being? Were you able to reestablish your sense of self-worth? And I think that this question about reestablishing a sense of safe wholeness, it really begs the question, how do you do that? How do you establish or reestablish a sense of safety? As Judith Herman notes, 
in the first step of trauma healing. Because the, is the issue isn't that some people experience traumatic events and others don't. We all do. We all experience traumatic events. We all experience significant invalidations. But the question then becomes, why do some folks experience lasting results and others don't? And then that begs the question, how do you reestablish a sense of safety and wholeness and well-being an affirmation of knowing of your unconditional self-worth after it's been invalidated, after your experience, your perspective, your, your well-being, your identity, your wholeness, your relationship to the world and the people and the systems around you is denied, after your sense of safety is violated. So just like Bessel van der Kolk's elegantly simple definition of trauma from the, doc the documentary Cracked Up, I equally love Brene Brown's definition of connection. So shame and vulnerability researcher and, and social worker Brene Brown defines connection um, in her early amazing book, The Gifts of Imperfection, as, quote, the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. The, def the definition continues into more amazingness, but this first part is what I'd like to highlight. Connection she says, is when people feel seen, heard, and valued. Well, this definition of connection is the exact opposite of Vanderkolk's definition of trauma, and it ties in so well with Gabor Mate's definition of safety, which is that it's not an absence of threat, it's a presence of connection. Look, life is unpredictable. Inherently, no matter how much we want to control it and make it not predictable, it is by nature, unpredictable. It's always gonna have ups and downs as long as humans are interacting with other humans, as long as we lived in a wild and natural world. And that means that folks will inevitably do things that are hurtful and we will inevitably be hurt by the things that other folks do, always. It really stinks, it really stinks. And I'm sure that every single one of us would rather it not be that way. But that's the nature of, of living amongst others. Psychotherapist Deb Dana, who really took the polyvagal theory and digested the, the very brilliant but complex theory um, and made it uh, into understandable and workable terms, um, she coined, uh, sh she sort of rephrased the term polyvagal theory as the science of safety. Um, and she says that it's, quote, the, the science of feeling safe enough to fall in love with life and the risks, and take the risks of living, end quote. Because living is risky. And what she means is that every time we open ourselves up to another person, we risk getting hurt. Every time we do something nice for someone else, we risk getting hurt. Every time we express ourselves, we risk getting hurt. Every time we explore something new, we risk getting hurt. And for anyone who's been badly hurt in the past, or hasn't quite healed from, from a, um, a significant hurt in the past, it's so, so reasonable to protect yourself against ever getting hurt like that again. So reasonable. Past hurts run a wide range of severity from the atrocities of war and physical abuse to emotional neglect um, and even Critical remarks can be markedly hurtful. 
But regardless of the severity, the impetus to self-protect after a past hurt is universal. It's so understandable, we all do it. And as a matter of fact, it's automatic. In a sense, no human can control their impetus to protect themselves after they've been hurt, unless the hurt has been fully processed. And I mean fully, unless the hurt, um, the invalidation, the, the violation has been completely unwound and integrated until there's no residue left over, um, we will all likely have this automatic impulse to protect ourselves. But we can, also, this implies that we can unwind and integrate something really, really tough, really tough and hurtful and possibly even harmful that's happened in the past, we can unwind it fully and integrate it. And that is the power of connection. That is the power of true safety, true health and true well-being. It's being seen, heard, and valued. It's, um, in no way being invalidated, violated, second-guessed, gaslit, abused, ignored, neglected, rationalized, while we're trying to heal and unwind from being invalidated, violated, second-guessed, gaslit, abused, ignored, neglected, and so on and so forth. This is the kind of safety that allows you to feel safe enough to change an automatic, compulsive, subconscious, self-protective response. And that then ultimately creates room for opening up to the kinds of everyday connections that can be risky, but that are also potentially life-giving that feel so good when they're respectful and that can make life enjoyable and worth living. And this is really what Deb Dana means by feeling safe enough to fall in love with life and take the risks of living. You have to feel safe enough, whole enough, well enough, and ironically connected enough in order to connect more. Connected enough to begin with in order to open up to more connections that leave you feeling continuously safe and secure. But you need the safety and the security in the first place in order to open to those connections that bring you that feeling of safety. And this can create kind of like a bind, right? Like, well, shoot, where do I start? I'm hurt, so I don't wanna open up, but I do wanna open up because it'll give me the connections that make me feel safe enough, but I really need to feel safe enough to open up in the first place, right? So like, where do I start? In this conundrum, how to navigate it, what gets in the way, what brings this real embodied sense of safety that allows for true, deep, sustained healing, the quality of life that comes along with that, that sustained healing. These are the kinds of questions that I'll be exploring in great detail in this podcast, the Safe Enough podcast. And the next episode in this series on the basics of safety will explore why establishing a real and true sense of safety requires going beyond trauma-informed practices. 
If you find all this interesting, please leave a review and subscribe so that I know, so that you know exactly when the next episode drops. Um, if there are ever any topics that you'd like me to cover, please make those suggestions in the review or comment section. Also, feel free to check out current and future offerings at my website, itbeginstomove.com. This is McPherson with the Safe Enough Podcast and the It Begins to Move studio. I'm so glad that we're here together, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care, console.